right, good morning, everybody. Great to see you in the house today. Hey, why don't you uh, get your Bible and let's open it up. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. So uh, grab that thing out, open it up to the book of Psalm, uh, chapter 23. We're in our series, Peaks and Valleys. We've been looking at some of the key Psalms in the Bible. And today we're really dealing with one that's probably one of the most familiar Psalms in the Bible. Maybe one of the most familiar passages in the whole Bible, uh, Psalm 23. Uh, People that have grown up in church uh, love this Psalm. Even those that have never stepped foot in a church uh, revere and love this particular Psalm. And uh, chances are good that maybe when you have gone through a difficult time in your life that there was somebody that that read this psalm to you, or maybe somebody prayed this psalm over you. Could be that maybe uh, at at a funeral of a family member or a friend that someone preached this psalm during that service. And so it's a very meaningful psalm for us, but uh, I just want to remind you that while many funerals use this psalm, this psalm is not for the dying only, it's for the living right? It's for, for people like you and me. It's for, for people that are wondering, what, what is God doing with my life? Where are we going exactly? It's for people that are deciding. They're trying to go to the right or to the left. Which direction do I go? What choice should I make? It's for those that are, that are wondering uh, what the next phase of their life uh, should be for those that are hurting, that need comfort and encouragement to just keep moving forward. I, I think all of us fall into some of those categories and we all need what this psalm provides for us today. And that is a, a beautiful look at the heart of our shepherd. All right, so that's what we're gonna see in, in this psalm. But because it's so familiar, we can just kind of gloss right over it. And so I want us to stop for just a minute. If you bow your head with me, And just pray a simple prayer right where you are. Just ask the Lord, God, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Lord, we are here today and we're here to hear from you. So, Father, I just pray that you would just open up this psalm in a fresh way, in a new way for us. That we would gain new insight into it. So that we see you more clearly. And can love you more and more with all of our heart. So Lord, our ears are open. Our eyes are attentive. Speak to our hearts, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there is no controversy as to who wrote this psalm. It's quite stated very clearly at the very top. It says it's a psalm of David. David was the second king of Israel, the one who really fortified the nation. He wrote the majority of the psalms, though not all of them. But there is some controversy or debate as to when David wrote this psalm. Some people think that David wrote it early when he became king. After all, David was a shepherd. At one point, he was the youngest of all of his brothers. He was literally called out of the field and anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king. And so some surmise that David, you know, that's still fresh on his mind. So he wants to talk about the Lord as a shepherd. Other people go, no, 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 no. Actually, David was probably an older man. And he's reflecting back on his life, which we did a brief study of the life of David 
several months ago, but if you read David's life, it's not just pristine, okay? I mean, there's a lot of, lot of issues there. David faced a lot of problems, faced a lot of challenges. He had a, a wife that despised him. He, they lost a child just shortly after childbirth. Uh, David found himself running from a mad king that wanted to kill him, assassins that were trying to find him and take him out. Most of his life was living on the very ragged edge of between life and death. Even his own family was kind of a train wreck. I mean, they would, they would make great hosts on a daytime talk show, okay? I'm just saying, David's family was a, was a total mess. And so probably at the end of his life, he's like, how have I gotten through all this crazy and then he begins to reflect on his shepherd who has led him through it all. And he begins with these first five words, the Lord is my shepherd. Stop right there. The Lord is my shepherd. A lot of people want to kind of get a picture in their mind of what God is like. Some people think God's like this tyrant up in heaven making decrees and doesn't really care what happens down here on earth. Other people think God's uh, like uh, Santa Claus, just handing out goodies to everybody, but doesn't ever want to deal with uh, our sin or the choices that we make. Other people think God's like a, like a distant parent, right? That's just kind of busy doing other things and kind of leaves us to ourselves. But if you were to ask David, what is God like? You know, he, what he would tell you, he would say, well, God's like a shepherd. The Lord is my Shepherd. Now, shepherds in those days were not necessarily the top of the social ladder. I mean, really, they were the bottom of the social ladder. But to a sheep, the shepherd's really important. Right? To other people, they may not care, but to the sheep, the shepherd is really important. It's the shepherd that watches over them, the shepherd that cares for them. And we kind of get a picture of that in Isaiah 40, which is a messianic text talking about the Lord and about the Messiah to come. Isaiah 40, verse 11, he protects the flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those who are nursing. I have a friend that spends a lot of time with cattle and livestock, all different kinds of livestock, and he said there are lots of animals that kind of can take care of themselves, but sheep are not one of them. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep go wandering off into dangerous things that they don't even know they're in danger. Sheep can't feed themselves. They can't direct themselves. They can't organize themselves. Uh, they can't protect them. I mean, they're just a mess. They need someone to watch over them. And did you know that over 200 times in the Bible, we are called sheep? There's a reason for that. We tend to wander off. We tend to get a herd mentality. We tend to wander away from our shepherd. We tend to get ourselves in big messes. And so here is David, and he's talking about what God is like, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And really, for the rest of this psalm, he's going to kind of unpack for us how the Lord is a shepherd to him, and really how a Lord is a shepherd to us. Let me give you three things. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. Paper out, pen out, write this stuff down on your device, however you take notes. I want to, I want to give you three kind of hooks to hang this content on as we think about the Lord as our shepherd. Here's the first one. My shepherd provides for me. My shepherd provides for me. Look at verse one again. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Now, the old King James Version translated that I shall not want. 
And some people were like, well, then it's wrong to want, right? We shouldn't be wanting, right? Uh, sometimes the uh, health, wealth, prosperity guys will say, well, you should never want because God's going to give you everything that you ever need. Now, that's not what any of these things are meaning. When he says here, I shall not want, really, this is a better translation. I have what I need. You know, can you say that this morning? I have what I need. Can you, can you say that in your own heart, that this is, you're satisfied? You know, we live in a culture that is, that is just, and it's so hard to be content, Right? I mean, it's like every commercial, you got to have this dish soap, right? Or your life's going to be a train wreck. If you don't have this dish soap, or you, you got to drive this car, you got to have this. And then we get on social media, and man, those people went on that trip. We got to go there. Or we, we just always are in want. We're always wanting something else. We're not content. And here, David is saying, my shepherd provides for my needs. We have to remember that contentment is not... Uh, it does not come from what we have, but it comes from who we have, that we have a shepherd. And this shepherd knows what our needs are. Sometimes we get confused between needs and wants, right? <laughs> I really need that other pair of sneakers. I really need this other, this other, one more trip. Maybe or maybe not, but the shepherd isn't confused. He knows what you need, and he provides for your needs. And really, he unpacks in the next two verses how the shepherd does that. Look at it. He provides. These are all the provision of the shepherd, okay? He provides satisfaction. Look at verse 2. He, he lets me lie down in green pastures. When I think of the word green pastures there, I think of the shepherd's fields. If you go to Bethlehem today, you can say, take me to the shepherd's fields, and they'll take you to a place that for thousands of years, shepherds have grazed their sheep. In certain times of the, of the year, it, it is green. It is open. And we visited there a couple of times. Maybe that's the place that David has in mind. After all, Dave, Bethlehem was David's hometown. David grazed sheep out on those fields. And, and David knows this, that when, and you don't have to be a sheep expert to know this, right? When you take a hungry sheep out into green pastures, what does he do? Somebody tell me, what does a sheep do when he sees all that? He eats, right? He eats, just rum, 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 head down, man. We're just going to eat, 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 eat. And then when he gets so full that he can't eat anymore, then he lies down, right? And this is a picture of satisfaction. He, he lets me lie down in green pasture. I'm so full. I'm so satisfied. This is a picture of satisfaction. I remember uh, years and years ago, Liz uh, found this African watering hole online. Right? It was like a live cam of an African watering hole. And you could go on there and you could see whatever animals around there just drinking water. And we were like so enamored with this. And so I remember one time we, we looked on there and there was a, a, a pride of lionesses who had just eaten. And they were laying on their backs and their bellies were protruding. Ladies, kind of like your husband's right after Thanksgiving, right? On the couch, right? Just stomach out. You know, just can't move. It's just so full. And, and when I think of that image, I think of this passage. He goes, man, he makes me lie down in green pasture. I'm just so full. I'm so satisfied. He said, my shepherd satisfies my needs. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Do you believe that? Your shepherd meets your needs. 
He satisfies your needs. Here's another one. He provides comfort. First, he provides satisfaction. Second, he provides comfort. Look at verse 2. He leads me beside quiet waters. The word quiet there, or still waters, literally means to be comforted or at rest. This is a picture of comfort or rest. Are you at rest right now? Are you at peace in your own heart? Or do you have anxiety that you're wrestling with? Does your worry overtake you? Do you... Do you fight the bed at night because your mind can't be still? Are you constantly wringing your hands with the what ifs of what may come your way? He said, my shepherd not only provides satisfaction in life. I'm not running around trying to meet these needs, but, but he also provides comfort and peace in my own heart. Jesus talked about this in John 1427, he said, listen, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. See, Jesus, our shepherd, is the, is the source of peace. He gives us his peace. Listen, this world doesn't have peace to give you. This world stirs up anxiety inside of us. But Jesus, our shepherd, gives us his peace. So he provides satisfaction, he provides comfort, he provides, look at this next one, renewal. Look at verse 3. He renews my life. He renews my life. You know, that word renew there is a really interesting word. The word renew means to be brought back. And so some people have thought that really what David had in mind is the wandering sheep. He's kind of wandered off. He's just been his head down, just eating the thing right in front of me. He's wandered way far from the fold. And so the shepherd has to go back and he renews him in the sense that he brings him back to the fold. He restores him back to the fold. Others seem to think that maybe this is a sheep that's been wounded or maybe a sheep that is sick. And so the shepherd holds and kind of tends to the wounds and, and feeds and cares for the sheep and brings it back to health again. And listen, there are probably some people here today, if we had open mic, you would come down here and you could tell a story about how far you drifted from God. You know what it's like to drift far from the Lord. You know how it's like to wish you had years back, maybe decades back, that you wasted wandering far from God. But, but the reason why you're here today is because the shepherd renewed you. The shepherd found you. The shepherd brought you back into the fold. That's what he has in mind here. He said, my shepherd provides my needs. He satisfies me. He provides my comfort. He provides renewal and brings me back. And then check this next one out. He provides direction. Verse 3, he leads me along the right path for his namesake. He, my shepherd provides direction for me. He leads me along a right path. Psalm 16, talks about the path of life. You make known to me the path of life. This is a path that's good. It's the right path. It's a, it's a healthy path for me. And the shepherd is leading his sheep down that road. You know, God wants to lead your life like that. You know, in the Old Testament, it says that God led the Israelites through the wilderness like a shepherd leads his flock. In fact, in Psalm 78, verse 52, it says, And he led his people out like sheep and guided them like a flock in the wilderness. 
He led them with a pillar of fire at night and a, and a cloud by day. And they literally followed him like a sheep follow a shepherd. And God wants to lead you like that. He wants to lead the directions of your life like that. You say, well, that would be awesome, man. If I could have like a cloud kind of showing me where to turn, you know, on the highway, you know. Or I had a, a pillar of fire at night, you know. That would be just awesome. It could be that easy. Could it be that awesome? And, and you know what? He, he does better. He, he, I, I tell you what. God does so much better for us than for them. Because we don't have to follow some cloud. We don't have to follow some fire in the sky. Listen, we have his spirit within us. His presence within us. We have his word before us. And look around. We got his people around us. And that's how God leads us. God wants to lead your life. God wants to lead you. Hey, here's the deal. I was talking with a group of guys. I'm leading a discipleship group right now. And we had this discussion. And I thought I'd just bring it to you. They said, you know what? You know, we talk about believing Jesus and following Jesus. And those seem to be two different things. I'll talk to some guys. Like, Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah. I'm, totally. Yeah, I, believe in, I believe in God. I believe in Je- I'm cool with Jesus. Yeah, I'm cool with the Bible. Are you following Jesus? Well, that's a whole different thing. Are you following where Jesus is leading? That's the real question. Uh, yeah, I can believe in you, but am I following Jesus? And, and this is where he's saying, man, my shepherd wants to lead me, and he has a good plan for me, and he's got direction for me, this path of life. But so many times I'm just kind of wandering off over here, thinking this is going to be so much better. And it never is. David says, listen, the Lord is my shepherd, and the Lord provides for me. He provides satisfaction, he provides direction, he provides peace, he provides a renewal. And listen, here's the deal. Uh, if Jesus is not your shepherd, you still need those things. You still need direction in life. You still need um, comfort. You still need peace. You're just going to try to find it somewhere else. And you're going to try to find it in a person. Man, that person, they're just going to make me, they're going to make my life really what I want it to be. If I could just marry them, if I could just be with them. Or I, this career, that's really going to do it for me. Or if I, if I get this promotion, or if I get into that school, or if I, if I, if I, if I, and you're going to be like this little sheep with your head down, trying to graze up what's in front of you, drifting further and further away. But listen, nothing can provide for you like the shepherd can. Your shepherd knows what you need. And he will give it to you. He'll provide it for you if you follow him. W. Philip Keller was born in East Africa, but he later moved to Canada. He had a real fascination with wildlife and ended up going to school to study wildlife conservation and gave his whole career to that. When he was younger, he actually operated as a shepherd for a a period of time. And so he wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's a great little book. I highly recommend it to you if you haven't read it. But he makes a statement in here that really jumped out at me. And this is what he said. It takes some of us a lifetime to learn that Christ, our good shepherd, knows exactly what he's doing with us. And he understands us perfectly. Isn't that true? For some of us, it takes a lifetime to finally realize that Jesus, 
Our shepherd knows what he's doing. And he knows what is best. And if we will just follow him, he will provide for our every need. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord provides, my shepherd provides for me. But then he, he gives us something else. Jot this down. My shepherd not only provides for me, but my shepherd is with me. Look at verse 4. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Not all paths in life are green pastures. Not all paths in life are still waters. Sometimes the path includes dark valleys. If you were to go to the Middle East today, you would see a lot of these valleys. They're actually not wide valleys. Most of these are kind of steep crevices, what they call wadis today. They're carved out by uh, flash floods of, of, of small streams that swell up and, and erode over time, these steep little crevices. And uh, many times a shepherd will lead his sheep down into the valley. I actually, one time, we were actually walking down through one of these wadis, and I turned the corner, and there was a shepherd. I mean, no, no lie, just like a whole robe thing, and, uh, I mean, and his sheep, I was like, whoa, you know, kind of, kind of surprised me there. I mean, he's down in the valley. Why would a shepherd do that? Well, down in the valley, you can get out of the sun. Down in the valley, at the very bottom, there's water down there. So sometimes they leave down there, but it is dangerous down in there because there are all these natural caves, all these places where predators can hide, thieves can hide, and attack the flock. So you have to have a shepherd with a good staff, right, to beat off these predators and to protect the sheep. Here he said this shepherd, his shepherd leads him down in the valley it's interesting here that really the original language, it's the darkest valley. Deep darkness is really how it's translated. Darkness is often a euphemism for death or sheol. And so the King James Version actually added the word death in there, the valley of the shadow of death, to try to capture that image. But he said, here I am, I'm in the dark valley I'm in a deep, dark place. I'm in a dark place. But he said, I'm not afraid. David, why are you not afraid? I mean, you're in a dark spot right now. David, you're, you're in a dangerous situation. David, why are you not afraid? Look at what he says. For you are with me. There are 55 Hebrew words that make up the 23rd Psalm. 55. And if you simply look numerically at the middle of the psalm that is if you count 26 words before and 26 words behind the remaining words make up the very center of the psalm and those words are you are with me if I if I were you I'd just draw a little heart over those words because this is the heart of the of the psalm this is the center of it David said you are with me Charles Hamilton was a member of our church and a godly man, loved the Lord, served so faithfully, uh, many times behind the scenes, great Bible teacher. He was an Aggie, but we still love him anyway. Uh, and uh, when he got the news that he had cancer, it was pretty devastating. I went by his house a couple of times and we had some good long talks. The last conversation I had with Charles 
before he went home to be with the Lord. He was lying on his bed. His body was already kind of wasting away. And we had that conversation, that serious conversation about life and about death. And I'll never forget what Charles said to me. He said, Pastor, he said, I'm not afraid to die. He said, I'm not afraid to die because I know where I'm going and I know who's with me. Can you face death like that? When you're in your darkest place, when you're in the really hard place in life, when you feel totally alone, do you know that your shepherd is there with you? David said, my shepherd is with me. My shepherd has conquered death. Our shepherd Jesus himself went to the grave. He went to the dark place. And he conquered sin and the grave. And he rose again. And he offers us that same confidence. In 2 Timothy 1.10 he said, Jesus has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I mean, that's really good news. Hey, that would be a great spot for an amen. All right? Come on, folks. This is a great, hey, I, let me give you some good news there. You with me? All right, you with me? All right, here we go. Uh, hey, let me read that again because I'm just waiting for your astounding amen. Maybe even hand claps. Second Timothy 1, 10. Jesus has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Yeah. And that's our shepherd. Our shepherd has done that for us. Our shepherd has done that for us. And David said, I'm not afraid. Man, I know who's with me. You are with me. What great confidence. What a great promise. So what does our shepherd do? Our shepherd provides for me. Uh, What else? My shepherd is with me. Here's the last thing. Write this down. My shepherd has good plans for me. My shepherd has good plans for me. And now there's a shift. In verse 5, there's a shift. Up to this point, verses 1 through 4, he's talking about sheep out in the pasture. We're in the green pastures. We're in the dark valley. We're out in the field. But now it shifts. And now the picture is not a sheep in the field, but now David is at a banquet table. He's a guest of honor. You know, just this last week, I was in Chicago, and our Uber driver, we were talking to him and talking about spiritual things with him, and he said he was from Morocco. And I said, oh, man, I know a guy from Morocco. And, he's, I, and I told him, man, my friend from Morocco, he wants to keep feeding me. Every time I sit down, he, like, is putting food on my plate. He always wants to cook for me. He always wants to do stuff. He goes, oh, that's Moroccans. That's what we love to do. We'll bring people off the street. And he said, we'll just lay out a spread. He said, we're so hospitable. That's our culture, and that's really what's happening here. If you were to go back in ancient times and you were invited in as a guest, there would be a protocol. They would first wash your feet because it's dirty. You've been walking around. And then they would uh, wash your hands, and then they would give you a kiss on the cheek, the uh, customary greeting like that. Then they put a little oil in the palm of your hand, and and you would wipe it over your face, kind of like we do lotion today, just kind of refresh you. They pour you a glass of wine. They take you to your seat at the table, and then they would just lavish all this food. Every time you empty your plate, they'd fill it back up again. I mean, that's just what they would do. And this is exactly the image in verse 5 and 6. Look at it. 
He says, uh, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have a special place at the Lord's table. You're the guest of honor. Listen, we, we, we kind of tangibly get a hold of this when we take communion together. When we take communion, we take the cup and we take the bread and we share it together. And it's a reminder of the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus that binds us together. It reminds us that we're a family together. But it also reminds us that one day we're going to sit at a table. Jesus said in Matthew 26, he said, we will drink this cup again in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, that's a big table, man. It's all to get around it. I don't know if we're going to go in shifts or what. I don't know how. But we're going to be at a table with Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus saying, man, I got this special seat just for you. Don't sit over there. Man, move up here. That's how much our shepherd loves us. Look at it. you got a seat at the table. Look at verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Oil and wine were pictures of goodness. And here he says this oil and wine is just overflowing, right? Your goodness is overflowing. It's like lavish. It's like over the top. It's like David's going, God, you're just, God, you're just so good. And God, just every good thing just pouring over me. And I don't deserve any of it. And God just pours in the fire on the ground. And I just, I'm just so full. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I don't know if you've ever been on an early morning walk and you just lift up your eyes to heaven and say, God, just, you're just so good to me. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. I, I, I deserve judgment. And here you just, every good thing that comes into my life comes from your hand and you just bless me. And if I have my right mind, if I have a physical body that works, if I can, if I have a roof over my head, if I got a family that loves me, if I have friends, if I have salvation in Christ, then that's all the blessing, overflowing, lavish pouring on of God's goodness. And I hope today that maybe you feel that way. I hope that there's something that resonates in you today. You say, God, it's just so good. God, you're just so good. My cup just overflows. Oil and wine are a picture of God's goodness. But there are some of you that may think, well, I'm glad things are going great for you, Craig, but it's kind of a train wreck over at my place. And I'm glad you're all thankful for all the blessings in your life, but I, I got a list of things that I got grievances against God about it, things that are hard and difficult for me. But I want you to ever forget that oil and wine are produced through the process of crushing. If you look at an old olive press, they collect the olives and they put them in baskets and they put them in and they add these weights on top of it. And that first pressure, the first breaking of that olive releases what they call the virgin oil, the best oil. Any person that runs a vineyard understands that you harvest the grapes, but the grape cannot release the wine unless there's a breaking, not so much to crush the seed and, and cause it to be bitter, but it is through the breaking that there is a release of the wine. And we need to remember that it is often through those crushing moments of our life that God does the richest work in us 
It's often through the difficult times of our life that we look back through it on the other side and we see that God produced good out of it and that God is still enriching our lives through it. I mean, Jesus is a great example, right? He went to Gethsemane. Gethsemane literally means olive press. On there, the whole weight of the world is on his shoulders. He sweats drops of blood. He goes to a cross. How terrible is that? Nothing could be worse than that. The judgment of God on him, and yet through him comes a resurrection and life that we have. Through his crushing, there is life. And so it is many times in our lives. That if we trust God in the crushing moments, that he will get us through them and he will produce through it blessing and goodness. Look at verse 6. He says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. I love this. You know, the King James Version says, will follow me all the days of my life. Actually, it means pursue to chase me it's like God's goodness is like hounds on my heels all right I'm running but God's goodness is catching up to me because he has good plans for me here listen your shepherd has doesn't mean that there's not valley times it doesn't mean there's not crushing times but even through all of that your shepherd turns it to good he has good plans for us here but he also has good plans for us in the hereafter that's why he says in verse six and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye is seen, nor ear is heard, nor mind can even conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you understand that? Man, we're so busy looking at what we got down here on our address when God's got something so much bigger and so much better. I remember I was this, just this morning, I was with a group of guys and we were praying through Romans 8. And, it, and Paul in Romans 8, I'm going to kind of butcher this a little bit, but Paul says, like, I can't even compare the, the light and momentary troubles, which mean they're only temporary, compared to the vast blessing that God has for us. And so he says, I, I set my eyes on what is ahead for me, on what my shepherd has prepared for me. God has good plans for you. <laughs> really good plans for you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he said to his disciples, in my father's house are many rooms. If we're not, so would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you? But if I go away, and prepare a place for you. I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be with me. That's our shepherd. So here's David. What's the Lord like? He said, the Lord's my shepherd, man. He, he, my shepherd um, provides my needs. My shepherd is with me. My shepherd has good plans for me here and good plans for me in heaven. And I'm just over by it all. There was an English actor that had come home after making a great famous career. All of his family and friends were at his house for a big party celebrating his success. And uh, there was a lot of celebration and food and drink and, and uh, they started asking him to do some little clips from some of the plays that he had made famous and oh do, do, do a line from this play and do a line from this play do a line from this one and so he kind of was entertaining the crowd by standing up and delivering these lines of famous plays and they would all applaud and uh, one man raised up his hand 
to offer a request, and it was his pastor who he'd invited. He grew up in this pastor's church. And uh, the pastor said, I- I'd like for you to recite the 23rd Psalm. He said, you, I know you learned it in our church when you were young. He said, oh, yes, pastor, I remember. He said, I'll tell you what, pastor, I'll recite the 23rd Psalm if you recite the 23rd Psalm. He said, all right, you're on. So the actor stood up, kind of collected himself, and began to deliver the 23rd Psalm. He had everybody eating out of the palm of his hand. They were all on the edge of their seats. Only six verses, but he was able to capture the imagery in such a vivid way. And when he was finished, everyone cheered and applauded. And he said, now, pastor, it's your turn. So the old pastor got up, stood before the group. And recite the 23rd Psalm. And as he did, tears were streaming down his face. And when he was finished, there wasn't a sound in the room. The actor got up and he said, I have touched your mind, but our pastor touched our heart he said the reason is because I know the psalm but he knows the shepherd the question this morning is not do you know the psalm the question is do you know the shepherd is Jesus your shepherd is he satisfying you Are you following him? Do you know that he's with you in those dark moments? And do you trust that your shepherd has good plans ahead for you? I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Maybe you're here today and you can't say that Jesus is your shepherd. You've never given your life to Christ. You know about Jesus, but you do not know Jesus. You know about the gospel, but you've never responded in repentance and faith to the gospel. But this is your moment. The shepherd is here. And maybe there's some wayward sheep in this room. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. Maybe you've wandered away from God, but the shepherd is calling you home. That's why you're here. That's why you're watching. Because the shepherd is calling you. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him today. Just with your heads bowed, if you said, Pastor, I need Christ in my life. I want to follow Jesus. I know he died on a cross for me. I know he rose again from the dead. I need Jesus to forgive me. I don't want to wander anymore. I want to be his sheep following him. Then just with your heads bowed, just lift up your hand, and I will see your hand, and I'll lead you in a prayer right where you're seated. If you trust Christ, lift up your hand right now. Pastor, I need Christ in my life. I need Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Lift up your hand where I can see it. All right. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? 
mighty Christ. All right, thank you. Thank you. I need Jesus in my life. Put your hands down. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know I've wandered far from you. I know I've gone my own way and I've sinned against you, God. But I believe that Jesus came and died on a cross and rose again for me. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Wash me clean. I turn from my sin and my wayward ways. And Jesus, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I thank you for this passage. What a great reminder of our shepherd. Lord, we don't want to just know the psalm. We want to know you. We want to experience your provision. We want to know that you're with us, Lord. We want to constantly be reminded of your goodness that you lavish on us day in and day out, Lord. Let our thanksgiving overflow. Let our praise overflow to you, God. Lord, I pray that this week, as we go into the week full of challenges and difficulties and even disappointments, Lord, thank you that you're with us. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.